morning I also get the opportunity to, uh, to just share what the Lord has laid on my life and on my heart. And in doing that, I know the last time I got to be here with you, we were processing through tensions that we face in life and a lot of it had to do with racial tensions and division. And so over the past few years, but especially this past year, the Lord has allowed me to learn a lot. Uh, more than I ever thought I would, and that is about, and this morning that's what I want to just talk to us about, and that's peace in the middle of conflict. That's what's been on my heart to share with you guys today, is peace in the middle of conflict. How on earth do we have peace in the middle of a conflict? Now, a little backstory: I am a father of five, yes, Jesus, take the wheel. We have five uh, <laughs> angels from the Lord, four boys and one girl. She is the princess. The ages are 13, 8, 7. I have a 3 major. Yes, he is a 3 major. And then a 5 month old. So blessings to my wife who is holding down the fort. Jesus, take the wheel for her. Um, but we want to talk about peace in the middle of a conflict. Let me tell you, our house, woo, it's a conflict. The power that our little guys have to go through life to... Um, love each other in the most hateful way, I think is the best way to say it, is something that we navigate. So my brother and I used to have fights, and I, my mom and me used to always tell me that the Lord will allow you to walk through things, and one day you will uh, understand the things that you walked people through. I understand everything I walked my parents through times 10. My boys do things, and I'll text my mom or my dad and tell them about it, and they will just send a smiley face back. That speaks more volumes than any word they can write. Because what they're saying is, we know the Lord would be faithful and let you know how you were for us. So, over the years of being a dad, I've been blessed to see navigating conflict. But what I've also learned, you know, the Bible teaches a lot of different things about having faith and what that looks like, but it also takes us to that place of childlike faith. And for those of you who understand that relationship, it's believing and trusting in the way that no matter what the enemy lays before you, it always comes back to that solid foundation of peace, of a renewedness, and you start over again. What I mean by that is when my boys fight, five minutes later, they are the best friends in the whole wide world, no matter how big the fight was. But as we get older, we lose that. And what happens is the enemy starts reminding us that the tensions that we face or the uh, altercations that we have or the insecurities that we have, they begin to stick a little bit longer. It's like a stitch. It's, it's, it's like something that follows us around. So we lose that childlike grace, that childlike love, that childlike faith. Those of you who have either parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles, you understand what I'm, I'm talking about, how they fight for one minute and then you don't even intervene because you know two minutes later they're going to be good and they're going to be great. And then someone who hasn't been around kids are like, you're going to let them do that? And you're thinking, I'm not getting in that because then they'll turn on me. And I, I'm definitely not going to have that issue. You know, That's how I believe the Lord would have wanted us or still to this day wants us to seek confidence. To be able to navigate the tensions that we face in our life and still find peace. And be able to, to allow ourselves to actually engage in a way that is honoring to God no matter the tension. 
always tell this to people. In John 3, 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave. And people say, this, this is just it's so hard for me to understand. Dealing with this person, and I can't stand them. I'm guilty. I've said that myself. But what I always tell them is, there's a big difference in love and like. It does not say, for God so liked the world that he gave. Know what translation you may have. I've never seen that one. It does not say, for God so liked the world that he gave. It says, for God so loved. When you think about love, it doesn't mean you're going to like what someone says. It doesn't mean you're going to like the way they treat you. It doesn't mean you're going to like the way your boss, your mom, your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your friend, your husband, your wife, you may not like what they've done or what they are doing or how they do things. But God did not come to this world through his son because he liked the things that we were going to do. He loved us, which means to no degree would he ever walk away from us. To no degree would he turn his back on us. To no degree would he say, you know what, Frank, I don't like how you're treating me, so therefore I don't have to love that's kind of the, the, the mixed up thing we have in our minds. Is if I don't like, that means I don't have to love. Right? That's, that's what the world has taught us. When you don't like something, like we just moved to, uh, recently just relocated to the Atlanta area. And where we live, we don't have a Target. Our family loves Target. We like Walmart. No offense to Walmart. We thank you for all of your things you give us. But we just happen to love Target. We don't have a Target near where we live now. My wife used to have this routine where every Saturday morning the kids loved this. They would all get up, go to Target and shop. And, of course, everybody came back with a gift, a toy, or whatever. They earned it throughout the week. Now they don't have that Target. Nearest Target is like 40 minutes away. And it never fails. My wife, that tension, she's like, oh, I wish we had a Target. Because there's so many things that she's familiar with. There's so many things she's used to. And there is a different product that Target has over Walmart, right? For me, that's the same thing we can find in our lives. We can get into a routine of what we're used to and what we like and what we love and what works for us. And the second it shifts, we start feeling some kind of way. The second that coworker is having a bad morning and they don't speak the way they used to, you're like, oh, did I do something? The second your husband or your wife has a little tension and, and, and they leave their shoes out and their bag out and their clothes out and a mess from the dishes last night that you keep asking him to put up, there's some tension. I'm very, I'm confessing. Okay, somebody else is like, whoever's sitting next to you, she, they, he, or, he or she did that on purpose. They're trying to send you a message. This is my confession on no one else's. Depending on what we are walking through, we start changing the way we like things. Let me tell you, road construction. Ooh, buddy. That'll bring out a beast in. I was driving in from northwest Arkansas through Little Rock. And if you're going through that area anytime soon, right around I-30, ooh, you better be prepared. It's like a 40-minute detour. And I was like, I was telling Jeremy and then last night. It's like, you know, it really tests your patience when you're so used to traveling somewhere. And the second it's redirected. I don't know about you guys, but my desire has become to be less in the position to not be okay with when I don't like something when it's changed, but to love the atmosphere and the opportunity. 
And this, this morning, that's really what I want to drive home with us. It's looking at peace and the conflict. The comparison of you're not called to like your neighbor. You're called to love your neighbor. And in the midst of that love, when we find things we don't like, that's when we press in to the love. Now, how do we find peace in that? There has to be a healthy balance of grace and truth. If you're going to love someone, you can speak grace into them. And sometimes you may have to give a little more truth. Being a parent, I'm learning a lot of that. You can give grace when it's there, but sometimes you have to say, don't do that. That's not okay. And your tone determines the balance of that grace. I know sometimes every kid is different. Literally, the Lord created us all with different identities. But in my five, I can see it plain as day. There's one I can say, okay, they're all kind of named the same, and I still call them the wrong names, but that's a whole other conversation. I, did, I used to not understand why my mom used to call us and my dad used to get our names mixed up. Our names, David, Carnesha, Frank, none of the names were the same, but they would call us. Now my kids' names are Jason, Grayson, Mason, Easton, and Berkeley. My wife's like, we're not doing that rhyming thing. And I still call them by the wrong names. So anyway, I'll say Jason, and then he'll say Easton. I'm like, well, you know who I'm talking to. Don't do this. But Mason has a soft temperament about him. That if I just so slightly give him too much of my voice, it breaks him. But then I can do it to Grayson, that same tone, and he would just look at me and just say, yes, sir. And as soon as I walk up, like, sometimes in life, that's how we find ourselves in relationship with God. But the reality is, he knows how to talk to us. He knows how to speak to us. He knows how to say, stop, stop, stop. It's still the same word, but because of his love, the delivery changes. When you start thinking about your relationships, it is because of your love for that person that your delivery should change. When we start talking about peace, there's a passage It says here in John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. There is so much in those three sentences. Let's break that down. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. No matter what situation or journey or season of life you may be in right now, the peace that God gives us through Jesus is totally different than what the world can give us. And sometimes it can be hard for us to embrace, articulate, and accept that. And what I mean by that, like right now, I'm a sweater, period. It can be six degrees outside, and I'm just sweating. There's difference in the AC. There's difference in a cold season where you can put a jacket on. That's that outward piece. There's difference when you put on shorts. There's difference when you can change the outward atmosphere and things around you. Sometimes the light may be too bright, so you dim it down, and that gives you peace. It may be too dark, and you 
brighten it up so it gives you peace. It is this outside atmospheric thing that the world teaches us. If we don't like Target, we got to go to Walmart. If we don't like Walmart, we go to Target. But if we need something, we still can find the peace in the midst of that. It pleases us on the outside. If I don't like this car, I'll go drive this car. Then we start talking about this brand is better. No matter what that tension is, there is a substitute that is in place that has been created by man to give us peace. But the only thing is, does that peace last? No. Every Black Friday, there's another television coming out that's ten times larger than the one you got last year. And if you're like me, I'm getting in line for that TV. I need it. Why? Because we don't see it as peace. The reality is, well, it's just time for a different change. No. The truth is, we are now accustomed to what that was, and we just want better, and it just makes us feel uneasy, which is actually a wiring of peace. Because if we feel good on the outside, we tell ourselves that we feel good on the inside, right? And to some degree, that's true. It's true. To some degree, how you see yourself in the mirror, how you see the things around you, it will give you peace, but it's not sustainable. Therefore, when conflict arises, the world falls apart. Because that outward peace will never sustain us, like what this passage says. I'm going to read it to you again so we can connect what he's saying, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. We can't put Jesus on like a coat. We can't turn down Jesus' glare if it's too bright and turn it back up so that our eyes can take it. We can't adjust the thermostat of Jesus. So therefore, there's only one way we can engage, embrace, and receive this peace he's referring to. And that's what the can we physically reach within ourselves and make any adjustments? No. That's what separates what the world gives us and what Jesus gives us. He is saying that no matter what, when I am in you, when I am dwelling in you, there is a peace that I, Jesus, has spoken into you. So when you find yourself in that season where it is hard to love someone Peace does not mean that the waves are not crashing. Can I say that again? Peace does not mean that the waves are not crashing. Peace doesn't mean that you're not having conflict. We tell ourselves that. Peace means everything's good. No one's arguing. We're all getting along. No. The peace that Jesus gives is consistent. That's peace. Peace is this consistency that we as humans need. Peace that Jesus is speaking of allows that parent to be able to talk to one child in one tone, talk to another child in another tone, all in the same sentence and understand that it's not that I want to speak the message at them, I want to speak the message into them. Peace allows me not to go crazy when all my kids are going crazy. Transparency, it's hard at times to have peace in the workplace when you feel like your boss is not valuing you. But that peace that Jesus gives allows you to genuinely smile and say, yes sir, yes ma'am. Even when your flesh is thinking, ooh, really? Really? The world tells us that 
you don't get along with someone, you walk away. Jesus came because we did not get along with the Father. But we still had this habit of what? Walking away. But Jesus didn't walk away. Jesus didn't walk away. That's the reality of seeing the peace in the conflict. Now, taking that peace and that understanding, there's one place that I really think it matters the most. About two years ago, when I was living in Nashville, the tornado came, and I know we've all, especially in this area, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, have seen uh, the debris and the aftermath of a tornado coming I remember one morning going, and I actually at that time was not on the road, and I told my wife, I said, I just feel lead, like it was in the middle of the night. I was like, I feel lead to go to Nashville and help with the cleanup. And at that time, we lived like 20 minutes away from the area where we're all hit. So I drove and I went there, and the, it was the most uh, eye-opening, sobering, life-changing thing to experience, to look through this valley as if you see this road and every 30 feet there is a house or a complex. All the, It was houses there at one point, but now there's nothing gone. And we're walking through and helping people pick up things and are literally picking up their memories and their lives or standing there consoling them. And as I looked at that, it took me to the place to think about the importance of a firm foundation. And that's where I want to land the, the plane today is with us understanding that in having peace in any conflict, we have to find ourselves built on a firm foundation. First Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. For no one, your husband, your wife, your friend, your daughter, your son, your grandpa, your grandfather, your boyfriend, girlfriend, no matter who it is, best friend, no one can lay a foundation other than that, than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. When you start thinking about that, every house to some degree is built on some foundation. The cool thing is about a crawl space, my husband, I'm my husband, Lord help me Jesus, my wife's dad, Fix it, Lord. My wife's dad is a plumber. And so when we start talking about houses, he always says, you want a house on a crawl space because you can get under there and change this. You can fix this. You can fix that. And as a husband, which is where I was going with this, as a husband, I don't fully understand that other than you're right. If something goes bad, I can get under there. But we, we're blessed. We move near him. He can come and fix us on a lot of things. But then we know this, that a concrete poor foundation is solid. And so as I was looking at those houses in Nashville, you could see where literally every house had been destroyed in this one strip where this tornado had traveled through. But guess what was still there? The foundation. And it took me to the place in this moment to think about that. Even when the storm comes and completely wrecks your life, your foundation should still stand. You should still be able to find peace in the middle of that storm. We as humans like to build crawl space foundations because it means it's easier on us. But our Savior came to be a solid, firm, concrete with some reinforced wire in their foundation that nothing can destroy without time. 
without pressure, without beating, without hammering, without going through everything that man can build. And even to the moment when they take every powerful jack tool that can be created, that foundation still has its grip. So when you start journeying through conflict in life, ask yourself, what's my foundation? If it's crawl space built, it's going to be hard to love that person. It's going to be very hard for you to process through and to, to understand, God, why are, you, why are they treating me this way? Why are they allowing this? Why are you allowing me to see this? And the Lord is going to still be saying, it's not that they are treating you this way. You are finding yourself in a place where you just can't love them the way I need you to love them. Because in this moment, you may just need to walk away. Or you need to just press in. Because the way they're treating you is because they're actually hurting. And their foundation is shaken. And they actually know that yours is a little bit more solid than theirs. And they just need you to catch them because they are about to crumble. So in this moment, you may not like how they're talking to you. But I need you to love them. You see the connection. There's a difference in how we love. So over the next few moments as we are journeying through this, I want you to just take the time to ask yourself, what in your life right now are you like, I just don't like that, and then you're going to be able to process that hopefully today or this week and say, things in my life that I love and I press in a love, I can tolerate better. I can speak in better. I get more joy from it. So maybe the shift needs to happen is it doesn't need to be that you like this individual or this task or this job. Maybe you say, Lord, give me the foundation and the ability to love this situation the way you love me. And I assure you, the storm will still come because peace doesn't mean that the waves are not crashing. Peace means when the storm comes and the wave crash, you still can stand. You still have a firm foundation. When the bottom falls out, you're like, I'm going to get back up. Your world doesn't sail miles away because this wind comes through and washes it out. You are planted on the land that has been purchased and placed there for you. No matter if the walls come down, your foundation is still on Jesus. Notice I said the land that has been purchased. We have been purchased and we have a foundation that will always stay. My heart's desire is for us to do this, to examine ourselves and allow ourselves to look at whatever the Lord is showing you. I hope to leave you with this. The Bible teaches us to love your neighbor as yourself. We have all heard that. We have all said that. And as I talked about uh, earlier over the past year, I've learned a lot about what that may mean. You cannot love your neighbor as you love yourself in a Christ-centered way don't love yourself in a Christ-centered way. So I want you to follow this. And I wasn't going to even say this, but it, I, I feel like the Lord is like telling me to say this. And I'm very disobedient, so I try to be obedient. This may be for someone right now. You've seen this phrase if you heard it, love your neighbor as yourself. And there's this conflict. There's this lack of peace. There's this tension that you guys keep having. And you're trying to love them as you love yourself. Maybe you need to pause and stop and 
really love yourself. Because a lot of times our insecurities can make us act outwardly like we don't want to and how we don't desire to on the inside. If I do not love myself the way God has created me and my insecurities are weighing on me more and I'm, I'm, I, I find myself frustrated, depressed, in an uncomfortable position, then guess what? I'm going to love my neighbor the exact same way. So in this moment, I want us all to be able to examine ourselves and process that and think, Lord, first, I want to love me the way you see me. All my imperfections, all my brokenness, all of the good, the bad, the ugly, the hurt, the scars. The scars are the most beautiful thing that Jesus can ever touch. Because that means that was a wound that was there that has been healed. Whatever you're journeying through in life, I pray this for you. That you begin to love yourself so that you can love your neighbor. I pray that you have a firm foundation in Jesus so that you can always have peace no matter the conflict. God, I come to you in this moment thanking you so much for who you are. Lord, I just pray that we can find ourselves uh, engaging in you and realizing that we do need a firm foundation, that we, we need we need to put our lives in a position where we can be built on you, your truth, your trust, your ways, your mercy, and your will. God, I, I, I ask that right now, if there's someone here that is needing to experience you, may you do that, God. May they experience you in a way that them to see you, to embrace you. May they find themselves on a firm foundation foundation that allows them to be built on one that only you and you alone can us, that Jesus himself can bring to us. That we can walk in a way that allows us to love you, Lord, with all our strength, with all our might, with, with your hand, with your touch, with your worth, but may we find ourselves in the place where we